Hey everybody, welcome back to the producers. I feel I feel like it's weird if we don't talk about it. I feel like you can't just be here <laughs> and we don't say anything. Because no one's ever seen me do an intro before. Unless they were it, it was their episode. Huh. Whose episode is this? This is Patrick Busey's episode. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Joined by Kimberly Nario. Uh, we're doing some stuff for her show coming out very soon. So yeah. keep your eyes out. <laughs> maybe maybe tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe yeah. something's dropping tomorrow. Um, Who knows? But as for this episode, this is Patrick Busey. Uh, we talk about stand-up comedy the entire time. Can you, can you, can you, would you believe that Patrick Busey talked about stand-up for an hour and a half? I am completely and utterly shocked. <sighs> it was, it was, it, it's, it's, it's one of the few episodes where we stay on one topic the entire time. And mm. I, it always feels weird because you're like, it's just something else we should go, but you keep getting drawn to it. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's... Because some, there's some episodes where I'll talk about like improv the whole time. Mm-hmm. So that's a little weird. Um, plugs for this. He had a plug. I better plug his his show first. Um, he is doing... Let's see what he said. He's doing the Bottoms Up... <laughs> He's doing Bottoms Up on January 25th at 8.30. That's his <laughs> plug. Cool. Sick. I'll be there. <laughs> I, I want to say he meant February 25th. When is that the show you wanted to go to? The Bottoms Up show? <laughs> Maybe. I don't That's remember. That's so funny. I don't remember. Uh, I think when is this getting released? Tomorrow. Oh. Tomorrow. This is tomorrow. I'm going to plug my own shit on Busey's show. You should plug it right now. It's cool. So on Friday, I'll be at Hop On Stand Up. <laughs> um... And on the following, oh, let me see, is it Monday or Tuesday? I'm going to be at Penny Lane. Are you doing the, are you doing the showcase? Um, yeah, so Tuesday the 19th, Penny Lane. It's an early show. I want to say it starts at like 7, maybe, maybe 8. Um, but yeah, come hang out. <laughs> Don't hang out with Busey, hang out with me. Because I know that what dates my shows are. <laughs> right? Busey, come on. He's got a million rooms. He does, he does, he does good jokes. Uh, I love um, him. He's the best. <laughs> uh, other plugs, com. all the normal. Check them out. Uh, check out Orbital Music Park. Uh, check out the network at RBA Podcast. Uh, you want to plug your Instagram while you're here? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. If you like dead birds and things that I cook and taste fine, uh, follow me at pretty underscore crier. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into whatever the fuck's episode this is, right? <laughs> fancy <laughs> setup I think I could have. Compared to everybody else's setup, yeah. you're doing good. No, I lucked out with this place. This place had a cool spot. What's up, cat? Is that, oh, that's Floyd. Beautiful. Stroller cat. What are we doing? <laughs> this is the podcast. This is, is the podcast? We're just going to sit here and talk for an hour? 
Hour minimum. Okay. Hour minimum. Uh, you're Patrick Busey. I'm Patrick Busey. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I never do. I never do like an opening. I do like an intro, but I never like introduce usually. <laughs> Welcome, Patrick Busey. Uh, this is me on as the guest today. <laughs> Man, I, this is exactly what I pictured. <laughs> this is exactly you. So you host a lot of shows. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do? I host all these shows in <laughs> Richmond. They're awful. <laughs> I guess that's a good place to start. How did yeah. you? What is it? Hmm. It's weird that hosting a show is a thing you can do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start there. Okay. From someone who's a new comic, okay, you do stand up. That's I the do stand up. You're, you're uh, you, so you run a lot of different shows in mm-hmm. Richmond, and it's so weird because uh, oftentimes with uh, any kind of performance, you need a place to do it. Yeah, with stand ups, you can just post up at a bar or something. We or, can post up at the worst bars that we can possibly <laughs> find, and then tell jokes to people that don't want to listen to that's them cool. whatsoever. I just think that's that's such a cool thing. It's so cool to be a part of this community. Yeah. Uh, that can just do shit like that. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and when it works out, it's really fun. And when it doesn't, it can be a little uh, soul-crushing. But, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you were on the show last night, which mm-hmm. was maybe the worst locker room ever. <laughs> just many, many different things <laughs> happening that made it very bad. Um <laughs> And that's a show where I think I'm not going to do it again. I'm, it's like, uh, that's how quickly those shows come and go, where it's mm-hmm. like, I had a setup with one person who really loved stand-up, who was the bartender, and he moved to Louisiana, so I kept trying to do it there. Um, but the lady who now runs the bar uh, at our first show pulled up a stool with her friend. They were both blackout drunk, and they... Uh, Heckled the entire show. No, they did. So when I saw that it was her as the new bartender, I was like, "Oh man, all right." <laughs> oh no. Uh, so you know, now I have uh, bottoms up, which is a much uh, easier room to get stand up going in because it I guess was established sense. as a stand up room for a very long time. A lot of the uh, references I've made were how that place seems a lot like a, a Southern Florida bar <laughs> or something. A Southern Florida bar? So, I've never been to Southern Florida, but yeah, sure. <laughs> South Tampa kind of thing? South, South that Florida. got a, That got a laugh, a residual <laughs> laugh when I made that reference there. They knew what I was talking they, about. They've been there now. They they're all dying of cirrhosis. And oh they're my like, gosh, <laughs> it was... It's a very interesting venue. Mm-hmm. As someone who's born in South Florida, I can say that. Okay. I, I, I have the credibility. <laughs> That's something else I want to talk about real uh-huh. quick. Up top. Yeah. I don't know how long people will listen. <laughs> but I get in a lot of trouble, I feel. And it's not like a lot of trouble, but uh-huh. for shitting on you. <laughs> uh, as I was just shitting on South Floridians or something. Uh-huh. But I want to just say up top, like we are very, we are good friends. We're like, good friends. No, t- you never shit on me too much. You always uh, choose a point in your frustration to shit on me when I'm at the peak of my frustration, <laughs> and uh, it never works out for both of us because uh, I have a short temper and I fly off the handle a little bit. But you know, it's fine. I think after five minutes, we both. Are okay. <laughs> uh, it's just in the moment. Uh, it's usually when I'm running a show and I'm very stressed out. Also a little drunk. Also a little I'm drunk because like, I'm like fifteenth out of fifteenth <laughs> out of three hundred beers. Uh, 
I'm in between uh, knowing who's going up next or whatnot, and people are bugging you. People are bugging me. Uh, that's, but that's the that's the life I chose. So. Mm. <laughs> um, it's great. It's great. Yeah. No, it was really funny because the mo the last mojos I did. My mm-hmm. whole set depended on everyone kind of liking me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, I think, when you were uh, not drinking. I wasn't drinking. Uh, and and I mean, last Mojo's, I was deathly ill for some reason. I had, like, the flu or something. Um, and we had the most people that I've ever seen at Mojo's come out to Mojo's. And yep. uh, a thing that they like to do is ask to go early, and everybody <laughs> asked to go early. Everybody asked to go early. And, um... Uh, it's just tough because then everybody is like giving you shit all night, and you're just like, I could just say no. To- you could just immediately <laughs> you say know? no. Like, it's yeah. like I could just say no rather than you know getting stressed out and trying to help all of you. But like, you know, I I do it and I try. So, well, you know, it goes on and on. Open mics can be very stressful. Uh, I look forward to shows because shows are always very easy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's contained to, like, five people or something like that. Um, and I love being on shows <laughs> more yeah, yeah. than actually running them. Uh, so, yeah, it's just an up-and-down thing. Stand-up can be very stressful sometimes. And I've been doing it for about five years now. And uh, it just always has ups and downs where, you know, like, you... Will six months? You'll have six months of like the best time of your life, and then you'll have like six months of the worst time of your life. Yeah, and that never stops. It's just like because uh, you always have to be striving to be a better stand up. And if you just have six months where you wrote like shit jokes, uh, that's not helping. And then the other stresses of stand up just kind of come around as well. So that's so interesting. The the I think everything we've kind of talked about already has culminated in this uh, <clears throat> this very real idea. Um, I feel like you have a very you have a very good idea of the pulse of like stand up in this in the city, mm-hmm. but how it ebbs and flows after your time kind of here, and how you can kind of I feel like you're getting into it a little more. Yeah. So you see more like like what you're saying. You're saying it made you seem very you seem very aware of how everything's kind of going. Yeah, I'm very like I'm very aware. Uh What'll happen inevitably, and I think it's going to happen again, is, like, there will be too many shows, um, and then you start running out of people. You have a lot of, like, stand-ups that go up that maybe, like, should take another couple years and get the showcases, and then it's like, but at some point you're like, I've ran through everybody in the city, so now it's just, like, everybody gets everybody gets a shot. And it's always mm-hmm. great to bomb on those showcases, because you put so much importance into them. Yes. And, Absolutely. and uh, bombing on those showcases and coming back from that is, is always a good thing. I think I, the first showcase that I was ever on was at Bottoms Up, and I bombed so terribly <laughs> that, like, uh, I didn't want to go out for, like, two weeks. But, um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it comes back around. And then, like, I also was in New York for two years, and... That's, like, the most soul-crushing place ever. Uh, so when I came back here, this is, like, nothing compared to that. Like, sure. I don't... Uh, it was a good boost of my stand-up in that, like, when I was in New York, I was doing... I was trying to do, like, maybe, like, two or three spots a night, every night, um, and you would only get, like, two or three minutes... Oh, wow. ...to nobody, to, like, no no audience ever was at those shows. It was always... 
the 20 other stand-ups that were waiting to go, and they were all mad because they wanted to leave and get to the next show. So it's like, uh, when you did get a showcase in New York, it was awesome, and you put, like, a lot of importance on that. And I got to do that a couple times, uh, and I got to, like, be on shows with, like, bigger people, which was really cool. Um, so when I came back here, I was just like, I've done Virginia. Like, I know Richmond. I know uh, how bad D.C. can be. Um, and D.C. is, like, nothing compared to New- D.C. is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody should make it out to D.C. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities there. I don't hustle as much as I think I used to. But, uh, but yeah, D.C. is a lot of fun um, if you want to get into the showcase scene there. You were just, you're just jumping. You were just giving me so much. Life, so well, I'm just saying, like, it's like, that's like the, that's the, ebb and flow. that's like how I understand it. It's like, it doesn't bum me out anymore because I know what to expect. You know? Well, it's, so it's, it's funny because I was talking with one of my uh, improv friends. Mm-hmm. So I started with improv and then I started doing stand up. And I, I don't know how you feel about that as terms of. I think it's helpful. I think like improv is a helpful tool to have before mm-hmm. you do stand up. You. Uh, it's always good to have like stage experience before mm-hmm. getting on stage the first time. So sure. I didn't do it, um, but you're you just know, you're you're a pure stand. I'm a pure stand up. <laughs> I try I try to do improv. I didn't have the time for it. A lot of time goes into improv. A lot of hard work goes into it, and it's like I my mind only works in a way where I could like handle one thing at sure, a time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. Uh, I, I give my hat off to anybody that does both because that's insane to me. Uh, but um, but yeah, I think it's always a good thing to do improv first. I mean, I've always I've always I don't know. I think I don't think I've done enough stand up to know mm-hmm. how it really affects. Uh, I don't think I write enough. I think if I if I if I was just doing stand up, I'd write more. That's what I see with improv people that is they a problem. They don't write at all because it's like wow. they're used to like making just going up and making it up on the spot. And um, Well, I will say this to kind of transition yeah. from that sentence. The, the thing I was saying is I was talking with this friend and I realized that I'm not afraid of like a stage. Mm-hmm. Like realistically the stages I'm performing on. Yeah. The coalition stage. Mm-hmm. Um, like the locker room. Like that little like stage. Yeah. That... Just as itself, this it's just it's just a corner right in front of a pool table, just this tiny little like way too tall stage. Yeah, well, usually uh, <laughs> I will I will tell you that is the first time we use that stage. Uh, usually, oh my gosh. usually you don't use that stage. You just kind of walk around and nobody plays pool. But apparently last night everybody felt like fuck this. We're gonna some play pool. some pool. Well, I did like that. That kind of set a tone. <laughs> and sometimes they got involved. And it yeah, was funny. I, I heard some of the fun so things. Like Tom did the every ball you make, I'll tell a joke tell or joke whatever, thing. which was yeah, great. Yeah. Um, but also, if you made that guy laugh, everyone laughed at that guy laughing. Yeah, she yeah. was right in front. Yeah, uh, no. So it, it was it was a, it was a cool room. But that stage should have been terrifying, just because it was a really weird stage. Yeah. No one should ever feel comfortable standing on nah, that. Yeah. Even if no one's looking at you, you should feel uncomfortable being that high up in a weird in that bar. Well, <laughs> that's what I say because, like, uh, you know, you took the stand up class. Uh, I teach the stand up class, and it's like. I tell y'all, or I tell like everybody that takes that class, it's like you're gonna start out on the best stage in Richmond. You know, oh, like you're yeah. gonna, oh yeah, you're gonna your start first out show. on like, like showcase. Like yeah, you're gonna start off like your best, like the best it can be, and then it just goes down from there. Yeah. Unless you go to other places. I mean, 
We have the Hoff Garden now. Mo's been doing a show at the Hoff, and that has a pretty good stage. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. But otherwise, you know, you don't, there's usually not a stage. You're on the floor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mojo's has, like, that little step up or whatever, but it's not really a stage or anything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the stage... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's The thing... The thing okay, so... The the idea I'm I'm gonna boil this down to mm-hmm. the, at at its core this is supposed to be a, a podcast about creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, the the way in which I find it most fun mm-hmm. to express myself with like comedy with improv and stand up. It's funny I, I very early on wasn't afraid of being on that stage because mm-hmm. the the thing you're afraid of when you're on that stage is failing. Yeah. Right? You're afraid of it not going well. Mm-hmm. And with stand-up, it's the, it's the same. And, of course, like I've always said, it's all about preparation. That's the difference. Yeah. It's one person. You have to prepare something and go up. Yeah, because if you fail at improv, you have, like, the other people that can tag you out. And and you, yeah, you just, or you just edit and start again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes some things don't. And, and I don't know. Uh, but just the idea of... Well, what I realized was I was very comfortable standing on stage, mm-hmm. but I wasn't comfortable looking at people. Oh, yeah, improv, yeah. You don't look at people. I wasn't comfortable holding a microphone because you never hold anything. Yeah. You always pantomime whatever you're kind of working with. Well, you you know, you get that over time and it comes with like an arrogance uh, that you have to inherit from doing stand up so oh, long. Yeah. And that arrogance is to say, like, basically, uh, I deserve to be here because yeah. I do this so much. Um, and. Once you have that down, the fear of looking at people kind of goes away because then it's just like they're an audience whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to do my time and I, you know, I love this and I think about it so much that I'm not going to let that ruin my night, sort yeah. of. I, I love those kind of thoughts. I've been listening to a lot of comedy podcasts lately, mm-hmm. which I feel like is the norm, mm-hmm. but a lot of different theory things have been floating around. So I want, I want to, if you have any along the way, these <laughs> questions I'm going to like kind of guide you through, uh-huh. I want you to totally just like drop them. Cause I love the idea. Okay. Um, what was your first, I want to say like six month period between, I think I'm going to do stand up. I'm going to do stand up. I'm writing first time with a microphone in front of people. That was like six one period. What was that like? When I started doing stand-up, I had a friend, uh, Morris Reese, who was involved at the uh, coalition. I think he, I don't know if he was one of the founders, but he was around since the start. Sure. Um, he used to do this thing called Humor Box, mm-hmm. which was uh, like an improv show in people's houses and stuff like that. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And um, he did stand-up, uh, and he was very good friends with like all the old older stand-up comedians um i worked with him at velocity comics and uh i think i was like out of school and i didn't know what the hell i was doing you know and i was just like i need to do and i've always like loved stand-up but i've always been a person that like can't stand in front of people uh it was like a problem for me growing up and um eventually he was just like all right i'm tired of seeing you sad and like took me to mccormick's uh and i did um, I first said at McCormick's, and it went okay because I brought all my friends and stuff. You sure. know, like I don't remember any of the jokes I told, but uh, 
I, well, I had like one joke that I told that I kind of remember it was stupid, but um, oh, if you remember it, and it's I not remember it. It's, currently using it's about it's about when I, I was vegan, and it was about like my interactions with people when I was a vegan, and it's talking to this girl at a party who's telling me uh, how bad like bread is for you and how bad like uh, soy is for you, and then you know two hours later I saw her doing like bumps of cocaine <laughs> off of her friend's keys. And you're just like, oh, I don't think you have to worry about my heart, dear. You know, like, uh, so that was that's like. That's such a bad music joke. That's <laughs> like the perfect. That's it's like, just me that shitting on somebody. If that, but like taking one thing and completely blowing it up. That is like, if that's one of the first jokes you've ever written, then that is absolutely like on brand. Yeah, and I think that was a very. Um, that was the only put-together joke in that set, as far as, like, the rest of it was just maybe me mumbling drunkenly. Um, and then I got off stage, and I was like, oh, this is cool. There's, like, a community. Everybody was, like, you know, my age. Um, everybody was really kind to me the first time. Um, and I was just like, you know, I don't work that much. I could see myself doing this at least. I, I told myself I was going to do it at least three times a week starting out. And I would say for the first, like, six months, I, like, hustled my ass off. Like, I did, like, every show. I was terrible, but I did, like, every show. Oh, you like know? Pete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Pete. Uh, but, uh, I love you, Pete. <laughs> um, I, I did every show, and I bombed my ass off. And, you know, like, I was, like, uh, I felt, like, very, like, little brother to everybody in the scene. Um, like, you had, like, Tom Hall was the first person to talk to me. Um, and really made me feel welcome. And then Jacob McFadden, who was a room runner, became like almost like a stand-up fa- father figure to me. Sure, um, I and um, which made it very hard for me because I was always trying to impress him. He's the hardest person to impress in the world, and uh, so it led to me like walking off stage a lot of times because I was so terrified in front of him because he ran a room at Pi, which was like the best room to do back then. Um. Yeah, and then I think, like, in those six months, I hustled so hard, and, like, I was going to Virginia Beach every week. I was going um, to D.C. You go to Virginia Beach to do a room? Yeah, I would do Cozzy's every Thursday. Um, which, is that a, is that, why would you drive so far for that room? We didn't have a room on Thursdays, so uh, it was like, I, you know, I was, like, so into it that I was like, I gotta do it, like, every night, you know? Um, uh-huh. So I would go to D.C. And all was, the way from Richmond! <laughs> all the way from Richmond, Patrick Butchke! They always, like, <laughs> fuck up my name. Oh, yeah. they're all fucking illiterate in Virginia Beach, but, uh, it's like, <laughs> uh, but I, I would do, like. <laughs> I would do D.C., um, and, uh, I think, like, maybe six months in, there was a, there was this, like, very rich dude who made a festival happen um, at, like, Capitol Ale House. Um, and I got to do that. And I had, like, maybe at that point a good eight minutes. Um, but I got up in front of, like, this audience that was, like, maybe 150 people in the audience. Um, and I was just like, this is tight. Like, this is what I want to do. Because uh, oh, I... I was so nervous beforehand, and then I got up there, and I was having, like, the best... Like, in front of that crowd, if it's, like, a crowd that wants to laugh, um, and they're there for it, and they're laughing at everything you're doing, it's, like, so good, and you just feel, like, this weird sense of control that, like, you never had. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, like, basically, I did that six months in, 
And then I just, like, strive to, like, keep doing stuff like that, which I didn't. You know, like, there would be, like, some nights where there would be a ton of people in the audience and I would do fine or whatever. Uh, but that was, like, the biggest one for a very long time until, like, New York where I did a couple uh, bigger shows. And then um, and then coming back and opening for Kyle Kinane was, like, the biggest one that I ever did. That was, like, 300 people or something Jeez. like that. Um, but I, I felt the same thing happened at that show. Um, and I was really happy because I was a lot better of a stand-up comedian than I was the first time. How much time did you do there? I did 10 minutes. Um, and then I did... Did you, wait, did you do 10 minutes? I did 10 minutes, yeah. Okay, okay. I, uh, you get the tight. It was a tight, it was a tight 10. Um, he, uh, I was only supposed to do five at first, and then, like, right before I got on stage, he was like, yeah, just do 10 or something. He said that? Yeah, and I was like, God. Damn it, all right. <laughs> and I just, like, went up and kind of, like, figured it out on stage. He's a, um, he's a cool dude. He's a very cool guy. It was really nice uh, meeting him. Um, I just, 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 just do that. 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 Chicago. 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 That's so Pete Holmes of me. Yeah. <laughs> I just love, I love Kyle Kamehameha. He's one of my favorite comics. Yeah, he's one of mine, too. So it was really cool to get that opportunity. Um, and did, yeah. did, he, did he say anything about it? He referenced my set on stage, which was awesome. Oh, um, fuck. And then we talked about it in the back for a little bit. And, you know, it's not, like, anything big. Like, it's not like we went in-depth or anything. He was just like, good job, man. That was a really good set. And that was it. You know, but, like, to hear that from yeah, he somebody like, like him, it was He didn't awesome. punch up anything. He was just no, like, I liked what you did. I liked good. what you did. Because, uh, yeah, like, Brandy oh. Posey also was on that show. And Brandy Posey also referenced my set in hers, which was awesome and, Dang. like, very flattering. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's like, I, I love stand up. I love the community. Um, I have been trying, I did a tour last year and I'm trying to do two this year. Um, because it's easy to DIY it and just like call places and they'll be like, who are you? And I'll be like, I don't know, I'm with this band, do you have, like, a free night or something? And they'll be like, sure. And then you might show up and do 30 minutes of stand-up to, like, five people. Or, like, our last uh, stop on that tour was in uh, Minneapolis. And we played, like, this, like, college venue house. Uh, and it was packed, like, crazy packed. And uh great, great night that night, too. Um Damn. Yeah, so it's like I'm just trying to get as much time as I can um, and not depend so much on other people at this time. Like, you know. Well, that's why, um, they, that's why they call you the Godfather. The Godfather. Yeah. Because you don't depend on anybody. Uh, <laughs> people depend on you. They call, they, call me, they call me the Godfather of Richmond Comedy, too, as a joke, because there used to be a guy that was the Godfather of mm-hmm. Richmond Comedy. But there's there's... I get the joke, <laughs> but there's a little truth in comedy. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you have that you have that figurehead kind of place. You fit that mold. I think more to y'all, and then like oh, for sure. yeah, and then like uh, to the but, people that have done it for a very long time. Um, I I would say I get about the amount of respect that I want from them. I don't I, think anybody yeah, looks down on me. Exactly. And that's, so. and that's what it is. That's something that I realized. I was thinking about, like, the kind of community that I follow, listening to, like, different podcasts. And uh, the, the guy I was listening to, he's like, I'm like, oh, I recognize 
when I first was listening to this person, like 2012, that kind of wave of stand-up, like, they were just, like, kind of awkward a little bit. And mm-hmm. then now, like, oh, they're well-respected. Like, people yeah. respect this person. And I feel like that's kind of the, the thing you've got. Like, you've earned that spot. Yeah. But at, whatever at spot, whatever in, spot it is. But that's the thing as well. It's like, at least in Richmond, I've earned that spot. Oh, yeah. And then you go somewhere else, and it's the same thing over and over again. But the good thing about stand-up is you go up there as a stranger. If you have good stuff, they respect you afterwards. Mm-hmm. And they go like, oh, it looks like he's done stand-up for a while. So yeah. I'm not going to treat him like an asshole. Sure. Um, which is... Big in this, <laughs> not in this community, but like uh, in a lot of other communities where, based on what I've seen, yeah, you know, it's it's a lot more competitive in other mm-hmm. communities than it is here. Here, it just seems like we're all having a good time, and you know, there it's like everybody trying to make a livelihood out of it. So that is that is the interesting part of it. It does feel a lot more with this comedy scene. Is there a huge dildo <laughs> next to me? God. I commended you on this room, and then you put me in a chair where there's a fucking 20-inch dildo staring me down. 20 um, Cool, dude. <laughs> that was, um... <laughs> first of all, it's 10. Okay. Eight insertable. Beautiful. That was a gift. That's awesome. We found uh, one of those in a dumpster one time, and we used it as a throwing stick for uh, my friend's dog. Oh, it was cool. <laughs> oh no, it was cool. Yeah, that that now saying that out loud, that seems like you know, like oh, pet harassment or something. <laughs> maybe maybe not to the pet, but maybe to y'all. Yeah, He's I don't know. Yeah, down. maybe we shouldn't have been touching that huge dildo. Oh, I can only hope that it was just used as a prop in somebody's house to intimidate them during podcasts like it is here. (laughs) Is that intimidating? I don't know if it's intimidating. I think think it would intimidate some. (laughs) (laughs) I used to do a thing. I'll say real quick. I used to do a thing. I used to use my room and I had a lot of shit on my wall. So I would Mm -hmm. say, like, pick the weirdest thing and I'll tell the story about it. Mm -hmm. And there was always some, like, weird stories or whatever. But someone brought their own weird thing <laughs> and they pulled it out actually at the beginning and said, don't mention this until the end. And it was just like hanging there. Cause it has a suction cut. So, <laughs> and then some friends came over after babes one night and they stuck it to the ceiling where it stayed for a couple months. until me and Matthew were sitting there and just flopped down one day. It was Beautiful like, bud. Beautiful. Living a dangerous life over here. I'm, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> So it's, it's like I'm a Judd Apatow movie in the you're making. A ju- <laughs> you're a dildo on your face in the making. Um, um, I had such a good point about the comedy scene. What, what were you? Oh, I, I where everybody's it. a little too chummy, maybe. Well, what I was going to say is, it, it's it's very obvious that not a lot of us are getting really anything major in terms mm-hmm. of like payment or yeah. But thing like we all do it because we love it. And yeah. that's kind of one of the things that I think does make us more chummy. And the, and the good side of it is, like, we all just love doing this. Yeah, and I think um, as far as, like, money to be made in the city, there can be rooms that will make you some money, but, you know, they come and go. So mm-hmm. I think, like, maybe the Hoff makes you some money. Or I don't really know. I don't know the rooms that are, like, going to pay you or anything, but... Um, I know it's like definitely worth it to keep opening rooms and trying because eventually it'll hit some room where like the owner of that establishment really likes stand up and will help you. Sure. Uh, to get a really good show. Yeah, and to get touring comics. So, you know, it happens oh. 
uh, sometimes. Like, the the Broadberry is really open to stand-ups. Um, Hoff seems like that they're very open to stand-ups. Uh, Garden Grove, at times, if they're doing, like, if it's, like, a very good season, they'll throw up some money to get, um, to get like, a, a road comic to come through. Um, we've had a couple there. And then um, I think Liz at Tea House gets, like, a good amount of people that are touring comics to come through. Um, so, yeah, it's it can be, I mean, I wouldn't say lucrative, but it can be, like, enough to where you leave and can get dinner that night or something, you know, like, that's, yeah, 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 that's what it is. But that's the thing, I think that's the thing I like about the community, is like, well, mm-hmm. because we love it. Yeah. We, we put in a lot of work and time for something that we just enjoy doing. And I think if you do, if you do the venues that are, um, that are for events, like if you do like a gallery five and you can mm-hmm. book that show, or, you know, some people used to do it, at, there used to be a booker at Strange Matter that would, um, that would book Stand like Kyle Canaan did Strange Matter. Um, that seems like the kind of place he'd do. Yeah, uh, he he did it twice. I think he bombed so terribly one time, which was great. Um, but yeah, it's just like uh, you know, you always see, uh, you know, fuck it. It was probably just like first night of his tour, and he was working out an hour. But it was like Strange Matter is so weird, or was so weird for yeah. stand up. We had a couple shows there. Huh. I don't like. I feel like I'm shitting on everywhere, but like, no, uh, no, 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 no. Um, just saying. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, I think it's awesome to yeah search out places and hopefully find somewhere that's down. Like Castleburg is a very good example of like somewhere that uh, really supports comedy. The owner is like really into it, so uh, he's got Mike's gotten a couple <laughs> touring comics to come through there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna change gears with mm-hmm. a palate cleanser question that palate, I love. Palate cleanser. Mm. What's your go-to breakfast? What's my go-to? Bre- I don't eat breakfast. Interesting. I have a, I have a terrible. I'm like just a a body that is garbage. So it's like. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it ta- it takes me until about lunchtime to be like ready to eat. Mm-hmm. I make a. Nowadays, I've been trying to make like milkshakes, like oh, very, milksha- very healthy. Not even smoothies. smoothies you said smoothies. milkshakes. See, this is how much of a garbage. <laughs> per- they are smoothies, but in my head, I'm like, it's a fucking milkshake. Uh, but like, they are smoothies. They got like chia seeds and shit. You know, they got they got the Whole Foods treatment. And um, why is this I so try hard? And- I don't know. I can't consistently make do smoothie morning. I have all the things. I bought a blender specifically to do it. They're and so easy to make, too. So I get easy. what you're saying, but yeah. it's just like in the morning, I don't really want to do anything. Yeah. I I'm work from home. In the morning. I work from home, too, oh. and it's like I just, uh, I'm the laziest piece of shit. I will just like sit there and stare at my computer for like two hours, get like some work done, maybe. And <laughs> an then, appropriate amount of work in a, done. An appropriate amount of work done to make all of my bosses happy. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, and then I'll just eat maybe at lunch. Um, but I'm not, I need to be better about eating. I don't like breakfast foods either. I'm not a big fan of any breakfast foods. I don't like pancakes because that's fucking cake. I don't like French toast because that's the same shit. It's bad for you. Bread cake. (laughs) Um, I don't like eggs really at all. Uh, and then, um, you know, that's. That's about it. Patty, I want to level with you. 
I get it. I hate breakfast. I get it. <laughs> Okay, look. I like coffee. I basically I drink coffee for breakfast. Okay, That's like okay, what I do. Okay. I like some. I like breakfast food sometimes. I love a good Joe's in binge breakfast monthly kind of thing. Yeah, but I can't do all that shit. Mm-mm. No, but, yeah, and if I'm like hungover or something, people are like, "You should eat a big breakfast." I'm like, "There's no way. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no way. My stomach no won't way. be. If I'm hungover, my stomach won't be ready till like 3 p.m. or what something the, what like do that. Think is gonna happen? It's today. like it's gonna heal or something. It's <laughs> yeah. like no, this is like 15 years of damage to my body. It's not gonna. The French toast will pad your stomach. Yeah, lighting. it'll pad no, your stomach. No, are you All the sugar will make you feel <laughs> real good. God. No, I don't like breakfast. I took a Pedialyte. I don't. <laughs> I was doing the Pedialyte treatment for a while. There we go. There we go. I never see much difference in doing it, though. I bought so. some Pedialytes. I made, they raised their prices. <laughs> <laughs> they started advertising for adults now. Um, they, yeah, they did. Yeah, they, <laughs> they did. They did that. They, did, they raised their prices by, uh, what was it, like 60 cents? Yeah. I have, I have evidence of this. <laughs> it's true. Um, These are one of your odd things hanging on your wall or two. So CVS receipts. <laughs> no, the one, the Kroger. Kroger is the prices. <laughs> okay. Kroger, it, they were two ninety nine, and I remember thinking, what a steal. I do, I do the CVS brand Pedialytes. How much is that? They're like four dollars or something. Kroger, yeah, the Kroger ones worth again worth three dollars. Oh, it was a deal. It was a deal. Now it's less of a deal. I was so into deals at the time. Um, <sighs> now, yeah, that was more of a New York thing. When I was in New York, I drank a lot of Pedialyte. Uh, okay, you drinking have, more? Huh? I wasn't drinking mm-hmm. more. Uh, I just had to work every day, so it was like, okay, and my coworkers thought it was funny that I would bring a Pedialyte to work. Uh, I get made fun of so much <laughs> I, for this beverage. I would just have like a Pedialyte. I have a picture somewhere where it's like a Pedialyte, some like tissues, vitamins, and like probiotics. And I'm just like, I need to survive the day, you know? Because <laughs> I wouldn't. I, in New York, it was like you never had time to like go home and nap before you went and did stand up. You had to like go straight from work to go to do stand up. Yeah. Um, so, but now I. I like can take a pretty good nap before I I nap before I came here. No, nice. <laughs> okay, that explains a little bit more. I'm I'm also a man of many drinks: coffee, uh, Pedialyte, smoothie, water, maybe Gatorade if I'm being obnoxious, like I'm drinking. Tum right tum, man! You gotta protect the tum. You gotta hydrate. Mm-hmm. It's all about hydrating. I'm not the best at it, but that's what that's what Pedialyte is for. <laughs> <clears throat> you must hydrate. With your pH water. This is some pH. Super hydration. Body armor. I was wondering what was going on with that bottle. That's an intense squeeze bottle. It, it looks like a repurposed, like, extra large Dijon mustard <laughs> bottle that you just, like... I'm just, I'm just chugging Dijon mustard <laughs> Dijon during the water. Show. <laughs> I just That's, give it one rinse. And I don't like, like French toast, but I do like water mixed with Dijon mustard. <laughs> um, I think that really... Helps me get through the day. <laughs> the mustard uh-huh. gas <laughs> from the mustard water. <laughs> I ate a D. That was dumb. <laughs> Kyle, what was your first creative moment? My first creative moment. Yeah, also, I want to point out you haven't dropped any any wisdom. I haven't dropped any wisdom. Any 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 quote wisdom nuggets. <laughs> Be yourself on stage. There we go. Um, 
I don't know, the first creative moment. I used to uh, write a lot as a kid. I went to school um, to write, basically, after high school. And I used to write a lot of short stories. Um, And I think stand-up works a little better. (laughs) But, but, uh, but yeah, I wrote pretty heavily. I used to write... um, I used to make sure that I wrote like two hours a day, like an hour to two hours a day. You would um, sit and just write. I would just sit and write because it was the same. It's very similar to stand up. And um, if you think if you wait for something, it's never going to come to you. But if you just write and you do some terrible shit, uh, eventually you'll get something good. Um, whereas you know. It is much like stand-up, but I don't write very much for stand-up. Rather, I just go on stage and kind of talk, and hopefully something works out. Like, maybe I'll, like, write, like, one little line or something that I want to think about on stage. Um, But I I mostly work it out on stage. (coughs) Excuse me. It's really funny because do you remember the first show of the new year at J. Kogi? Mm-hmm. I was sitting next to you, and we were talking about our new bits. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are kind of just kind of work, saying them out loud for the first time mm-hmm. and it's like mojos or whatever and I saw I've seen those bits go from literally just like this the, the premise mm-hmm. and this, I saw you do them with the original tags and I've seen you like try the new ones and then like put them all together and all this stuff it's really funny watching that kind of evolve but also the idea of like where that comes from I think is is this and this is I think this is more what I mean it's mm-hmm. something that someone said that influenced me was like uh, if I know how I feel about it, I don't have to write it down, which is exactly what writing from stage is. Well, that's a good thing. And it's also if I write everything down, um, I'm more likely to forget it and then get upset that I forgot it. Uh-huh. So if I don't have anything to forget, uh, I kind of uh, will be fine. And when you're doing it on stage, um, you're saying it out loud and you have it recorded And uh, you're, like, building the muscle memory of each joke. So it's, like, saying it helps me remember it better than writing Mm -hmm. it down. Um, I've noticed what I want to do now is when I have an idea and everything's kind of flown all fast, I just want to record myself saying it. Yeah. And then I'll write it down if I find that I want to do that. I used to to do that uh, where I would record myself in my room. Um, And those were weird. But... (laughs) It's really weird. Or I would do the thing where uh, I would have a recorder in my car and I would just talk while I drove around. Oh, I've heard heard many people say that's a good idea. Yeah. And then you just kind of like hit on something while you're ranting and you're like, oh, that might be funny on stage. That's a good kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like what would you, what would you say if you had an audience and you were just riffing on whatever you're thinking about and there are no consequences? That's kind of what it. It feels like. Yeah, basically, um, the only audience is you when you have to listen back to it, and you're like, oh, this sucks. Oh, no. Why See, am that's I a the weirdo? caveat. See, people <laughs> don't like to, li- I don't like to listen to myself. I don't listen to this show. Yeah. No, it takes a while. I mean, it is super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always good to have for when you do the showcases, and maybe you uh, didn't write something down, or you forgot a couple jokes here and there. You can always be like, let me look at this general time period and you remember like, oh, I always do like, all right, shows here Mm -hmm. and I feel most comfortable here. So let me listen to that one and I label everything, the name of the show and the date. So it's like, um, that'll usually help me where I'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot that I was doing 
those two bits or whatever. Mm-hmm. I write down each for every show I do. I do an individual set list page with every beat of every joke. So that I would, can reference it. That's what I used to do. Um, and I'm getting back into set lists now a little more. Um, I find it helps me know. It. First of all, I mean, of course, you know exactly what you're doing. But it, it, it like when you when you said that you were planning to do five and then you got an extra five and mm-hmm. you said you figured it out on stage that when you said that, I thought about my set list and I like if I had five and I'm like, OK, no, 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 do do ten. Like, whoa, whoa, what do I add? Well, that's like just doing it over and over again. And you get that like muscle memory of exactly. like I've led from this last joke that I was going to do into another joke before. And you just have to remember what that joke was. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I didn't like finish <sighs> as strong as I wanted. Cause I did it that way. But, uh, but I think overall I did a fine job that night. I was, I was very proud of that set. Sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, it, it, it does come from that where it's like, I've told all these jokes so many times, um, and with so many other variations of jokes that I can remember these weird little segues that I'll do. Um, and I'll just go with the segue and be like, you know, speaking of this or that and like go into some other bit. I'm asking this question because I know at least one person will appreciate it. Uh, how often do you find it important when you, when you're constructing your sets to mix it up? Cause I've been very, strict with how I'll structure jokes and I don't I don't like to deviate from that if I don't have to you get looser I mean I would say showcases I stick I stick to a much stricter uh, way of doing things which you know could get you in trouble or could not get you in trouble but like when I'm looser I feel better about my sets, I would mm-hmm. say. So I don't, I try to structure them as little as possible. The only thing I really kind of remember is like the segues in between. Um, and, uh, like speaking of that Jay Kogi show, I just had fun like going up there and like talking to people and didn't really have any of those jokes formed that well. Yeah. So like, I think on a lot of, the like endings i was just like oh well that's not funny all right so what's up with you <laughs> you know like it was just kind of like you're you're figuring it out um but yeah i think for the showcase you've worked these jokes out so much you yeah. found the tags well, so that work yeah that's the thing that i realized with doing this is like the mic the open mics are the, it's the practice for the showcase yeah like it definitely is and that's something i didn't realize because for me when i first started the mics were the shows <laughs> And it's my it's my hugest criticism of Richmond, where it's like uh, people don't use open mics to, to work, out, work stuff. out stuff. They use it to. Uh, there's uh-huh. definitely exceptions to that. I think like it's gotten a lot better than what it used to be. And I definitely was a person that was guilty of like saying the same shit over and over again. Sure. Because like you get like a big crowd, and you're like. I don't want to disappoint the crowd, but it's yeah. like if you're having fun and you're like into what you're doing, um, you're going to come across as amiable. And like, even if you do a joke that doesn't hit or whatever, you can kind of like brush it off and be like, that didn't work, but it's an open mic. So fuck it. You know, <laughs> um, it's never a big deal. Um, and you should never, 
see a big audience and be like, let me just do the stuff that works. Because then, it's like, you just wasted right. your night out. Sort of. Yeah. I remember one time watching Jameson. He was trying out a whole character where he was, like, really sad on stage. Oh, yeah. Jameson is the king of trying out whatever, whenever. Exactly. And I remember early on watching him, and I would be like, I, I got afraid. I was like, why would he do that? <laughs> In front of people. Yeah. And then, uh, and I remember, like, inviting people out. Like, I'm going to do stand-up tonight, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, like, now I'm like, I hope nobody comes because I just want to try this joke real quick. And then... Well, that's the thing, too. You also run through your uh, friend invites pretty quickly. It's oh, always yeah. like, maybe we'll see you at once every six months. But if mm-hmm. we see you, like, at these three showcases in one month, you're going to be doing maybe, like, similar bits, you know, exactly. the whole time. So, And also I realized, like, uh, being new, I'm not good yet. So, like, if I really want people to come, I need to give it time to yeah. get better. Yeah. Um, which brings me to my next, like, uh, thought that I mm-hmm. want to pick your brain on. I don't want this to be, I don't want this to be all about, like, stand-up and advice. So steer me away if, if it gets too much. I like talking about stand-up. I like talking about stand-up. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, because we, we talk about improv a lot on this show, because I have a lot of my uh, cohorts on here. Mm-hmm. And I always, like, I remember, like, Pete's episode, I was like, ah, oh, we're talking about improv. He's like, yeah, but I love that. So, yeah. so it's, it's fun. Yeah. Um, voices. Okay. All right. So that's something that I have been absolutely fascinated with, the concept of finding a voice. And okay. also the idea of, um, similar to musicians, when you're playing music, like you play your your influences and your favorite artists' songs. Um, you buy their pedals or guitars or whatever, or you get something like it. With stand-up, <clears throat> you do the jokes of the people who you find are the funniest or you relate mm-hmm. to the most. I'm... I realize when I write jokes in my head now, I'm doing them through a voice that is Pete. Oh, really? I literally That's am funny. like, I'm about to, I'm about to switch from like sad boy to like rambunctious Pete okay. kind of person. I feel like that's something that, that resonates more, but, it, but it's, it, it's, it's all with the idea of finding your own. Yeah. 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 Filter. Um, I think, uh, I think what, and you know, like I'm like five years into this and, um, or around five years, I'm close. And, um, I still don't think like my voice is there yet. You know, it's going to take a long time. Um, but I would say when I started out, it was a very, very flamboyant Southern person, um, that over time has turned into a less flamboyant Southern person who's maybe a little more arrogant. Um, I wasn't arrogant at all. I was very, like, sad boy early on. Um, mm-hmm. Very, uh, very, like, very Pete Holmesy. I was, like, very, yeah. I, I think I did Pete Holmes a lot. Um, and, you know, you get out of it after a while. Yeah. And you're, like, and it's also why I don't watch uh, a lot of stand-up it's hard, anymore. It's hard to watch stand-up. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of stand-up because then I'll, like. Do it. I'll, yeah, I'll do it. I'll be, I'll like watch Bill Burr, like three specials back to back, and then I'll be like, I want to be, I want to be angry. And it's like, you're, I'm not, you know, like it's like, that's not me. Nope. Um, Brian Regan's another one that you cannot watch. Yeah. Jim Gaffigan, The Voice. Oh, come on. I found like Tom Segura was really hard for me for a while because I would do the like setup punches or the long stories, and I would just be like, all right, this is getting weird. All right, I'm going to stop. Yeah. I, I see. That's the thing is I'm not sure how to go about it because it's like early on I know that that's something. Well, it's something I've heard. Mm-hmm. I've heard people talk about like you just do your inspiration 
for a bit usually, some bastardized version of it, and then move on. I mean, that's like... I've heard it a lot with, like, the Dane Cook time. Like, people, a lot of people were doing that kind of version. A lot of people were doing Dane Cook. Um, a lot of people did Louie for years. Louis, Everybody yeah. did Louie. Yeah, I think um, I think Regan is another Regan, one. Regan. Because he, uh, he has a funny story about watching himself on stage. Nobody was, like... Uh, Richard Pryor before Richard Pryor, and then afterwards, everybody was doing that. Like, he's, like, kind of, like, the godfather to me of, like, the stand-up that we do now, which is, like, a lot more personal. Yeah. But before that, it was, like, Jerry Seinfeld. Or, you know, not Jerry Seinfeld, but those types of comics. Observational. uh, Very observational humor. Um, So, yeah, I mean, everybody copies everybody. But, you know, you just have to be aware of it. And be able to listen to it, uh, you know, subjectively and just be like, or objectively, not subjectively. And just kind of like be like, all right, I need to make a change here. Or this is maybe a little too close of wording uh, to, you know, say Pete Holmes or something like that. You have to be able to shit on yourself to do stand up. Like you have to be like, and that's why I think it goes through those ups and downs because... The moment that you're, like, not scared to get on stage and the moment that, like, you think, oh, I got this, it's, like, that's the moment you need to probably write some new fucking jokes. Because, like, mm-hmm. you're probably just riding this six-month period where you've been doing really good um, and you're, like, afraid to let that go. But you're not going to get any better and you're not going to progress at all. Um, and you lose that respect of people if you don't grow as a stand-up um so yeah and i think like as far as the voice goes it changes for me still like if i get scared and you know uh it happens much less than it used to but it still happens i'm still like kind of scared to go up and do stand-up a lot um i will revert back to uh I haven't done it in a while, but the flamboyant, like, Southern man, I'll get, like, more flamboyant. Um, and I'll listen back to my... That's where, like, listening back to your sets comes in, like, real handy. And you'll go, why the fuck am I doing that? You know, like, it's like, that's so stupid. I could have just done these jokes and, you know, been fine. But um, you, you just learn that with time, I guess. And you figure out, like, what... You'll, you'll get, like, six months of stand-up where you're like, that feels natural. Mm-hmm. I want to do that every time. Yeah. And um, and hopefully you can tweak it and twerk it to where it stays that way. And I think that's why I I now appreciate James. Wisdom, bro. There it is. <laughs> See, I knew we could find something. That's why I like I, I now look at that move Jameson made as something so different. That mm-hmm. was just like, oh, he's out there trying some shit. But he's also, I, I think he's very courageous in that he's a very new comic. Uh, he hasn't been doing it long at all. And so that's just him throwing everything up against the wall and, like, seeing what works. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, um, yeah, I just, I, I really respect it. Um, and I still think he has, like, a long way to go, as do us all. But, like, you know, kudos to him for trying that shit. And I wouldn't have, you know. I was always terrified to do any type of character, so that's probably why improv didn't wasn't an option for me. <laughs> no characters. Just, no, I have no characters. I have like there's a couple jokes where I do I say I'm gonna do a character 
and it's always the same fucking character, and it's just me being like, "What's up, bro?" You know, like that kind of <laughs> shit. Like that's not that's not a character at no. all. Uh, it's just like skateboard pet. Skateboard uh, pet. Circa. Uh, this right. pet has an Arizona this, iced tea yeah. and a snapback today. <laughs> that was my life for a very long time. So, did you skate? Were you skating? I skate. I was a skater boy. How many, how many from, bands were you in? I was in no bands, but I was friends with everybody that was in bands in Richmond, and I was very supportive. Um, which is another thing that was very cool for me in that, like. Skateboarding, I did it for 12 years. I didn't really enjoy the company of a lot of skateboarders, um, so I kind of fell away from it once I started being around the music scene people. Can't play a fucking instrument, but I would, like, you know, I would always be around them, and they were very supportive and kind people and are very good friends with me to this day. Um, and then once I got to stand-up, it was like, I like this community of people, and I'm giving something to this community yeah, which was cool okay um this is an instrument that i can play. yeah this is <clears throat> this is my band this is my band this is me going <laughs> up and talking yeah, about my parents or some shit yeah i toured with a band which was the closest that i'll get to <laughs> probably ever doing anything um so cool. close to being in a band um but yeah i think uh i think i'd I love stand up. And it's so it's so supportive and so nice. Um and uh and I like the class cuz it's been getting a lot of new stand ups to come out which I think uh right now it's in like the overload portion because you know everybody's starting out and everybody's not that good whereas like I would say a year ago or something an open mic would be like 10 comics maybe. Every open mic, like yeah. none of them would be packed except yeah. for maybe McCormick's because it had been around for so long. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, Back now then, it's like if we just had a few whew. more people, and now it's like we just had a few less yeah, people. We just had a few less people. <laughs> um, but no, it's hard because I think it's like it is everybody starting out, and then you have to sell the show to a venue, and it's like everybody's figuring their shit out on stage, and it's like. You have to make a show that people still want to watch, you know? So it's like if you have, like, 17 people that bombing around, <laughs> it's not good. Uh, but um, but I think everybody's getting there, and I think everybody's motivated. And I think the people that started, you know, with maybe your class or the new class or just people that have started in the new year seem see, are seemingly motivated. It's only, like, a couple months in, but... Um, hopefully it lasts and you know a year or two from now we get some good things out of it I mean Jameson started six months ago maybe really yeah and around the time I started maybe before maybe it's been because it's been about four months I don't know if it's been a year I don't know he was doing the camel like maybe like October that's when I started that's when okay so pretty sure it's October he was doing he was doing camel like I want to say like two or three months in. It was very quick. short, very quick. And now he does the camel. He does the Penny Lane show. Um, he just hosted the WRR show. You know the dude's all over the place and he's good for the scene. Um, and uh, and he's another person that added to the community. I really like being around. So 
Um, yeah, when I started, it was a very different community, which I really, I did love a lot of them, but there were a lot of very toxic people. And sure. As an authentic community. Yeah, and I think we've kicked a lot of them out or yeah. curbed their... Uh, Curb their enthusiasm. Oh, uh, what are you doing? Uh, I'm doing doing puns. Is that a pun? Doing t- TV know. bits. TV bits. Curbing their enthusiasm. No, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, but yeah, I really enjoy going out to stand up now, um, because it's it's a more fun place to work on jokes as well as um, it's good to see everybody. Sure, because now a lot of people. <laughs> In the stand-up community, really hang out with each other outside of stand-up. Um, and I think that's changing now. Sure, yeah. Like, a lot of us have become, like, pretty good friends. and Yeah. yeah. But I remember uh, I remember early on, there was an older, older comic uh, who was very hard on me. He became, like, my best friend. I won't say his name. But um, he, uh, he, I remember telling me, he told me one time outside of Pi, he was like, yeah, but Busey, you're like my comedy friend. You're not like my friend friend. And I was like, and that logic has always like never sat with me because it's always like, we hang out five days a week. You have no other friends, yeah, you right? know? Like, it's just like, so basically what you're telling me is you're an introvert. You don't hang out with anybody. And like, we're the only people you see. So you keep us at arm's length for whatever reason. But. I think I've had that conversation with a couple different people where it's like, we're friend friends, right? Yeah, Not just, yeah. like, comedy friends. Because it's hard to get through that. Um, but I think it's, if you make an effort, people mm-hmm. um, Well, then care. both people make efforts, and then it kind of is obvious. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, Away from the comedy tag, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, uh, I wrote down, I wanted. I want to hear... Because what you said about New York made it sound stressful, of course. Mm-hmm. But I want to hear a, a, well, at least one good thing about New York. Give give people who might be making a decision to go there, <laughs> or like maybe giving it thought. Give them give them some hope. It's filled with some of the best um, comedians you can see. Um, it's a very tight knit community, though, in that it's no longer the place to go. I would say, uh, you know, 10 years ago, maybe it was, there was a lot of opportunity, um, but now there's more opportunity to go. Like L.A.? L.A. Um, but if you want to be the the grizzled New York comedian, you can go there and do it. I mean, and you'll get on some of the coolest shows, like, that you could imagine. There's so many, like, very creative people. Um but it's a hustle, and it's like you have to put in the work. Like, if you're just like kind of like tiptoeing around it and not really going in, you know, head first and going out every night and making connections with people, you're not gonna get anywhere. Like, nobody's gonna like see like one set and be like, "That's the guy." That's the guy. That's the guy. That's the guy out of Tony. Who's that guy? Five thousand comedians. Tony, get that York. guy. I want, <laughs> I want that guy. But yeah, I did. I did like uh, showcases with like people that were, you know, like writers for the Tonight Show, or really? like yeah, or uh, or have comedy albums and stuff like that. And I felt like very grateful for it. And you just realize when you're doing those shows, like they're just people out having to do this shit. Still, you know, like they're they're not. Uh, they a lot of them don't put any importance on themselves, and they'll just like 
talk to you like I'm talking to you right now yeah. at a show. Oh, that's nice. Um, and then the sad part is, like, I'm, like, one to be, like, I love you on, like, this, this. And they'll be, like, cool, cool. Do you just, like, want to drink with me and talk? You know, like, uh, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's still a, a city of opportunity, I think. But it's the kind of thing where you have to really, like, Put your put your put your everything into it. Yeah, you so. gotta put everything into it. It's super expensive, uh, which is, I think, a lot of people don't put much investment in that, and they go like, "Yeah, it's super expensive, whatever." But then it's like, guess what? Some of the only jobs you find are at night, you know. So then you like end up not doing a lot of stand up. Um, yeah. I before I found like the luckily found a paralegal job. I was working in a kitchen. And I was able to do stand-up, like, once a week. And that was, like, for, like, a six-month period. And on top of that, I wasn't making any money. So it was, like... You're just stuck there. Yeah, you're just stuck in New York. And and like, how gets, long am I going to do this for? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then when the paralegal stuff came around, I was doing better. I was going out again. Um, I have some... I have a couple of very good friends in that scene uh, that I uh, really love and respect for helping me through that time and who always like really pushed me um because a couple of those people went through the open mic hell until they got to like just doing showcases but showcases there are more like established people's open mics basically so yeah um okay someone will drop in and yeah somebody will drop in or um or you try your hardest to get like a Parna and Ancharla booked on a show and maybe she shows up, maybe she doesn't. You know, like, um... Is that the first name you dropped all episode? Well, Aparna was huge in the scene in that, um, in New York for a long time she was, like, known as this lady who, uh, I never really, like, got to talk to her or anything, but she was known as a person that would do, uh, every open mic, like, all the time, like, hustle her ass off and, uh... And she was already at a level where she didn't have to do that, basically. Because open mics are awful. They're all buckets, or you pay money, or, you know. Oh, wow, really? Some of them are good. I like the little ones, but then you go to the little ones, and you don't really meet a lot of people. Um, you go to the bigger ones, and that that's the thing, too, is, like, you have to network. You have to, like, yeah, you, you gotta be friends with people. I don't know why, but I'm picturing putting your thumbs to the, someone's throat and pushing in to get, to, to complete the stand-up scene. Uh, to compete in the stand-up scene, it's like, it's it feels so... It's that, not, That's the vibe I get from the New York stand-up It's scene. not that bad. <laughs> what it is, it's more so, um, it just takes time. Okay. And it's like... I think what happens is um, so many people come and go that you're not going to get heavily invested in by anybody immediately like you would here. Sure. Um, So you have to put in the time and the effort to be like, I'm sticking around and I'll keep showing up. And uh, what I would say was like kind of sucky about all that is like when I was getting ready to leave was the time when I felt like, Oh, I think I put in enough effort where, like, everybody uh, enjoys me being around, you know? Uh, What made you leave? uh, Breakup. And then, like, uh, couldn't pay rent and stuff like that. Um, And I just missed Richmond a lot. It was time Uh, to go. Yeah, it was time to go. Um, How was it coming back? 
It was great. I uh, I thought I was gonna go through like a couple months of um, of like being like, oh my god, I hate it. But like immediately, it was like, let's do this show, let's do this show, let's do a podcast, blah blah blah. And everybody was like, uh, I think at least like James um, and Mike and some of the older comics were like really glad to see me back and be like, all right, dude. Let's let's all like use your energy. Let's like go out and do stuff. And they were already doing stuff on their own. But, but it's I good think, to have that force back. It's but like it's, that, yeah, that. it's it's good to have like me, which it's I think it's died down a little bit. But when I got back, it was like let's do everything, and everybody was like, all right, whatever, uh, and it was great. Um, Pat's got to see my new Cold Stone Creamery joke. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> I gotta see my new pizza delivery joke, Mike Angle. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, I, I really loved it coming back, and I still love it. And I think um, I made a decision to like rather than shoot for my own things, which I can do at the same time. But I'm more into hey, maybe make this scene better. Um, and that's and that why way. you're the Godfather, because <laughs> you chose Richmond. And well, and then and then you know you make it better, and then you get touring acts through, and then you start to make connections with people that way. And and shows, shows are better. Shows are try better. harder. Mics are better, etc. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So that's what I do. Uh, you seem like you wanted to go short, so. I'm- what what is your you don't have a million questions on <laughs> wisdom? I have a couple. I, I mean, we could keep going. I'm oh the longest I've done is three hours. Oh my god! All right, I'm not doing three hours. That's but I will. <laughs> I will do a subs- I will do enough so that I don't. I'm not the shortest <laughs> person that's ever been on this show. You, I, I think if, if yeah, if we stop now, you would be pretty sure. <laughs> uh, no, we can go. We can go. Okay. Uh, what I want to hear about. Because as I do more shows, you experience more shows, of course, mm-hmm. but, like, some shows are outliers, of course, like, the Coalition show, like, I have, there's a picture of, like, 80 people looking at me and all laughing Oh, yeah, that's jokes. a good feeling, that's what I'm isn't saying. it? Yeah. One of the best shows. I want to hear about one of your best shows, one of your worst shows, and do whichever one you want first. Um, but I want to hear the, con- I, want, I want the contrast to be delicious. <laughs> the best show is definitely the Kyle Kinane show. That was, like... Yeah, I couldn't even see the end of the crowd. It was cool, ah, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I figure, I figure that'd be it. And um, the worst show. Here, here's what I. Here's There's what I been don't know. so many bad shows. Sure. Uh, the first time I was ever on stage <clears throat> was at the Coalition. It was for a little improv uh, show, uh-huh. and uh, we were doing this game, this backline game, where someone would throw up a toss-up line, and you would prepare, jump out, say your line, and mm-hmm. continue. Everyone would get a chance. And I went up twice, and both times, nothing from nobody. So the first time I was on stage, I bombed. I, I think about that when I think about worst shows. I, I have a, I have a worst show. So there used oh, to be there like, used like there used to be um, a room. I don't remember what it was called, but it was on Chamberlain, um, and I was one of the two white comedians that would go there, basically, um, and. Uh, 
you would have like the best sets there some nights. I like live for that room. I one time had this veteran who was missing both of his legs come up to me and be like, I haven't laughed like that in years. And Ah. you're just like, that's a good feeling. Yeah. But the problem was the booker who didn't do stand up, he just produced the show. uh, uh, He booked it, he double booked it on a night where um, this family was having like an after wake party at the place. (laughs) Well, you couldn't write this. This (laughs) is the John Mulaney sketch. (laughs) Well, I went up on stage uh, after. Everybody had bombed. It was like, and I was, I think I was pretty early on, but I was like seeing the room and just seeing their hatred for us. And I get maybe like one joke in and this lady stands up in the crowd. Uh, they're all talking to each other, by the way. Uh, they all stand up or one lady stands up in the crowd and just signals for me to wrap it up (laughs) and just stands there doing that. Just until like get off stage, and there's like no support for me up there. Like everybody was like, "Dude, just like get off if you have to get, get off." Uh, oh my and, god! And I got. Off. I did. I. I am sad to I say did I did not minute. stick it out. I did not do ten uh, minutes with this yeah. lady. Super upset. Um, I mean, now it would have been funny, but at the time I couldn't imagine trying because last night at the locker room, like. It was hard doing jokes when some people were talking. Yeah. But, like, everyone's talking. Everyone's Nobody talking. Nobody wants Nobody gives a shit. And then someone has the gall. Oh, you'll do you'll do those rooms. If you go out of town, some of the play, you know, like, Richmond, I give it to Richmond in that, like, they are, uh, sadly enough, some of the most polite people in the country. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then you'll go elsewhere, and if you ruin somebody's dinner or something, it's like... You can go fuck yourself, basically. Um, There was also... We did a room at Extras. I wouldn't say it was a... It was ever a particularly bad time, but um, what would happen is uh, it was a super fancy dining place, or the the clientele that would go there were pretty fancy. Like, older <laughs> dying. white people. Like, dying white people. And, um... <laughs> Is that what you said? You said a, a, dying, a dying... A fancy dying place? A, a fancy place for old Oh, you said fancy dining. Die. Yeah. At least in fancy, <laughs> fancy dying, dying place. Where the old people are dying. I was doing dying. a stand-up oh in a hospice. Um, but no. <laughs> um... First of all, I love how you were just so willing to let me just say it. They're, dying They're dying. And just be like, yeah, sure, that's an you, adjective. You go fits. with it. Um, but, um, <laughs> so you'd, you'd be a good employer. You yes and. Yeah, I yes and it. Um, but uh, they were never there to listen to stand-up. Um, and uh, the host did the best they could, I would say. <laughs> um but those, both of them were very broken down comedians at that time just because of that room. Oh, my God. But gosh. I would do that room because I loved the challenge yeah. of getting people to listen to you. What, was that, uh, like a year or two in? That was, like, yeah, two years in, probably. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have that confidence to go yeah. to anywhere, like, real I, room. I would say uh, it was fun because, like... Uh, there were a couple nights where I remember talking to my friend Anthony Thompson, who uh, is a stand-up still uh, in the scene, and being like, 
alright, like, do you think we can, like, turn the room around? And you're going to just be like, I'm going to fucking do it. I don't know about you. And like, <laughs> we're just like, you go up there and you try, and some nights it would work, and then some nights it wouldn't work. But when you did get the entire audience on your side, it was really cool. Oh, my gosh. You had a woman stand up. Oh, yeah. I had that one, and then the, the other, like, big one was really early on when I went to Kazi's, and nobody was in the audience. Um, and I used to have this joke. I can't really remember how it goes, but it was me uh, likening Mechanicsville to uh, the Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory of KKK members or something like that. And... Uh, you know, making fun of racism. And then, uh, it was like, uh, very popular, yeah. Right, right before, uh, I go on stage, a bus of 20 veterans get off and are sitting in the crowd. Um, did not care for me at all. Oh, and so sorry, uh, I had a silent reaction. That silent is. reaction. And then, like, when I told that joke, um, somebody stood up. <laughs> And goes, you don't know where you are, boy. And I was like, apparently a place where this joke doesn't work. And then then just kind of went on. But that was very early on. And I I wish that would have happened to me now because I would have been a little more playful with these old people. But what would you have said? I don't know. I would have just like included them a little more. Um, See, that's the thing. Last night, if I'm going to bring it back again to the last night, I thought I've been having in my next thought. Unless mm-hmm. we, unless you had something else. No, go for it. Okay. Um, so it was the stand-up. It was me, Annie, Dan, and Pete, and Tom, and Tom. But the four of us mm-hmm. are all in the same, same yeah, time. Yeah. Um, so we all went on and, and did okay. We had that like, we had like one row that was paying attention and like into it, and the rest of the people were like whatever. They tune in and out. Mm-hmm. So one third paying attention, one third tuning in and out, one third not even there, not paying attention. <clears throat> so we could we could work the good one third. We could kind of sometimes get on that other one's path, and mm-hmm. then, but then Tom goes on, yeah, and has the entire room's attention for most of the time mm-hmm. he's on stage. Yeah, Tom's great at that. Tom, uh, it was it was surgically impressive. Yeah, he's good at what he's. Did he do the walk around thing? He literally dro- dropped the mic and stood on a bar chair and shouted one of his jokes. It was yeah, amazing. That's very Tom. I mean, that works not very often either, you know. But Tom can pull it. Um, James is usually very good at getting audiences, uh, just because he's very good at crowd work. But Tom's very good at like. If you're not listening to me, I will walk up to you and stare at you until you listen to me. Yeah. But not in, like, a mean way. Yeah. And, like, a, come on. Just, like, come on and hang out yeah. with me for three minutes or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know. That's something that I was thinking. I mean, so, so I was I saw him do this. And I was just like, I wish I, and I use this term a lot lately, I guess, to stand up, the pulse of the room. Mm-hmm. Being so in tune. Because he would, like... He sat. He sat there and didn't talk for several portions of it, and he would just let everyone kind of like settle on what they're doing, and then he, then he would talk, and then everyone would be like paying attention, and like he get the pool guys into it. And yeah, he, he would go up to them and like that's what the focus is. So I'm gonna focus there, so yeah. I'm included, and then I'll pull focus. Yeah, and, and I the, mean, he did that. He did it, and you know, speaking of like fear and stuff, he was standing outside beforehand because he was so like. None of this is going to work. I'm terrified. Uh, 
and he had to do another show that night. He had to do Sticky Rice afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he might have even gone into it, like, in a... We'll just see. You know, like, and if it goes bad, I can do good at Sticky Rice instead, you know? Well, cause I, so I saw him before mm-hmm. that. I was, like, I was right by the door, and I told him, like, I'm like do you need a minute? Need a minute? He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah. And then uh, I was like, cool, I'll let you know when uh, James is on stage again. And right when... Pete ended without hearing Tom like walks in and I was mm-hmm. like oh he's ready <laughs> he's ready he's done it he timed uh, it it was so perfect and then he and then he killed he killed that that room for that room he killed yeah and, and he did good impressive. he's been on it twice now he did really good last time too he's really um, but the bit so the idea of that and I've um I'm gonna liken it back to a bigger scale one that I understand a lot better. Pete Holmes is one of the best at this. Mm-hmm. And I realized this. He was the reference I had before where uh, he was a goof before. Now he's, like, well-respected mm-hmm. in his community of, like, he can host. He can be all up in a room. He could do, like, an hour of just riffing. Yeah. And, like, that's that's the, that's all I wrote. I wrote riffing because I'm just like, how do, you, how do you do that? How does that happen? I mean, is that literally just all natural skill or how much is that toned? That comes that comes with like I I would say riffing comes with time and for me it came with like I there'd be times where like I didn't have new jokes going up on stage and me just being like I really don't want to tell these old jokes so I would just be like let me talk about something and then I'll just riff um maybe do a little crowd work or something like that and we'll see how it goes um my uh, lane to crowd work is different from Tom's, is different oh, from yeah. uh, James's, and that, like, I would say James gives you, like, this very excited feel, and he's, like, yelling at you, but, like, in a, like, come party with me way. Yeah. And then Tom is very, like, come with me on this, and then I'm, like, sort of, like, kill them with kindness, or kind. kill them with kindness kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. Uh, crowd work. So, I. I think it, it's definitely something that comes with time. Like, you don't just Absolutely. get up and, like, start riffing. Because okay. if, if you don't have the confidence to do it, then... I do think there might be some natural charisma that might contribute to it. But I will say that, similar to the microphone and similar to having prepared material, talking to somebody who I who does not think the same way that I do, whereas in improv we're all thinking the same way, I, they might be able to know where I'm going kind of thing. I'm talking to a stranger who might not want to see me do well because it's funnier to be the person who stumps the comedian because you look cool or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea of that, that's something I'm not prepared for. That's something I'm not ready to filter through. I'm not prepared for what someone might say. It's always mm-hmm. uh, the easy one that I do every now and then. I do this at Coalition a lot because for some reason, drunk people yell at me huh? at Coalition. And uh, I just do the thing where you're like, what is this guy talking? You know, just like kind of like be like, you're very unintelligible to me, sir. I can't understand what you're saying. Please drink some more. And have a good night. You know, like uh, you have that or, hosting quality because you've yeah. done it so much. Yeah. You've learned how to. You, you you literally said I have a go to because you tried that and that got you out so yeah. many times. It, it gets you out a lot. And I think uh, the thing that you. Uh, Oh, I just had something in my head, and now it's gone. But um, you're talking about the thing of the coalition. You do it all the time. Drink some um, water. Yeah, I think it's just. Oh, what you got to remember is like you have the microphone. You're gonna win pretty easily every time, uh. unless somebody is like 
really loud and really clear and like very clever, clever, yeah. which almost never happens. And if it does, uh, you can. There's a couple options. I mean, there's always like. You can just laugh at it and be like, all right, you got me, and then, like, yeah. move on. Yeah. And, uh, but here's the thing. And if they keep going, then you can, like, be like, let me rip into you a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. if they get you, they got you. If they got to yeah. laugh over you, it's like, then boom. But see, that's one of the things you teach in the class, the, this concept, and that's one of the things that someone like me doesn't have yet, which is, uh, in, in, with my improv team, Detective, when we were playing, the note we would get off in is, that was a really weird choice you guys made, but you played it confidently, so mm-hmm. it worked. And that's the thing with crowd work, with riffing. I think a lot of it is confidence, like, I'm going to play this out. I'm going to see where this goes. I'm going to find the fun for me and hope that people come with me. That's, that's the way I think of when Pete does it. And when you're doing that kind of thing, when, when, uh, when, when someone beats you, you can just commit and have the confidence to say, you got me. You got me. You got me there. I'm still the funny one. I have the mic. I'm going to do this joke now. Or if you're very clever, which there's only a few people, I think, that can do it very well. Um, I'll, I'll say I'll talk about Winston for sure. Winston's very good at it. Um, I've seen him do it so many times, it's crazy. Yeah, and there's there's a couple, and it comes with time. I mean, like, Winston worked at the Funny Bone for a very long time, and you get a lot of heckles there, and you get a lot of opportunities because it's so crowded um, that the crowd's going to be on your side if mm-hmm. you uh, say anything back, basically. So, sure. um But I also feel like there's something to be said about... And and this is more of a separate point, not to contradict. Mm-hmm. But like, there's nothing about being prepared with prepared or th- thorough with your preparation, and being calm and again confident enough to be ready for when someone throws something at you. So all, instead of just being like, like freaking out, you're like, I know that's coming, I'm ready for it, kind of thing. Like yeah, being, well, being sound and not chaotic. Well, it comes also with being confident in your material. In that, like, once that comes at you, you can throw it back or whatever, and then you can be like. All right, back to what I was saying. You know, like, sure, and yeah, you yeah. know your exactly. joke well enough to where yeah. it'll work out. I think this also comes from the frame of mind of someone who's brand new, and, and it's like there was a period, and I don't, maybe you don't remember the specific one, or maybe you didn't have to have it, where everything had to slow down for me. Everything was moving very fast. I yeah. was moving very fast on stage. So yeah. to me, the idea of preparation, all that, makes everything a lot easier. You, yeah, you That's have why to, I, I read it out. You have to go slow. Um, for me, it was just, like, I would get so nervous, and I would just get, like, smashed drunk, and then you just, like, mm-hmm. race through all the jokes, and then be like, oh, no, I'm drunk, mm-hmm. Like, that was what I did, like, all the time, yeah. and, um... I did my first, like, five months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, it comes with time where, like, I don't particularly like drinking before sets anymore. Yeah. Um, it, I'm less sharp, and... At that point, it always seems like if I'm drinking a lot at sets, um, it always seems like I'm there rather to hang out than I am there to do stand up. Exactly. For me, when I when I when this feels, this feels kind of dumb to say like this, but like when they were shows, when it was something I invite people to, that's when I would do that. It'd be like a let's all have fun. We're all gonna go do do this mm-hmm. do a five minute set. But now it's like I we all kind of come and sit down and we're like we're writing we're like thinking preparing whatever it is. Well, mojos I like 
as like kind of like a hangout place. It's divey. Sure. You never know what you're gonna get. You can just go up there, and I hope people have fun. But um, but with showcases, I think I make it sort of a rule now to like if I'm gonna drink, I only have like one beer for before sure. I Absolutely. go on. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, you're there to like basically put on a show. You're, yeah, you're you don't want to. You want to make Richmond better in the eyes of like people that see shows. Be like, I would like to watch that again yeah. rather than yeah, yeah, yeah. this shows. sucks. I don't want to go out and see this. You know, yeah, absolutely. it's the whole building the brand thing Build, but, for the brand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, RVA comedy brand. RVA comedy brand. You have your RVA comedy brand. I have. Uh, me and James are going to start labeling the shows "Talking Thrash" that we do, <laughs> uh, which is like the podcast and whatnot, but. Um, but yeah, RV yeah. podcast. I'll put you. We'll put you in the thing. <laughs> we'll put you in the thing, but uh, and then um, <laughs> we'll put you in the thing, but we'll get you. Uh, we'll do you a little, little. We'll, we'll thing. do you a little hashtag. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're go- we're about to do like a oh please mystery science theater kind of show at Ipanema that we've wanted to do for a while. Because um, I think uh, we can get enough people in there and make it like rowdy enough that it'll just be me and James yelling over chaos, which I think would be really fun. Um, So, yeah, I have that. I have Bottoms Up and then Mojo's. Almost nearly full circle. We started with shows. That was the first thing I shouted at you when you walked in. I have shows now. Come to my shows. Come to visit Mojo's. Uh, What, Locker Room's done? Locker Room's done, I think. Locker Room's done. It went out with a bang. It went out with a weird bang. Uh, <laughs> it is done. Um, I will say some people there came up to us after and said they really enjoyed the show. I saw that, and I was very surprised, honestly. Uh, but I was glad for y'all that they did that because, you know, <laughs> you deserve like it for going show. onto that fucking stage and That's dealing funny. with it. So, um, yeah. <sighs> Get off to y'all. But, it's, uh, one of those, it's one of those things. It's one of those stories I'll remember and I'll be telling on some, some newbies podcast yeah, in five like, years. It was like this old drunk man said, I really liked your bits and I don't have the courage to do that on stage. That's what they always <laughs> say. It's always like, <laughs> that is, that's I can't, that's what people say. I can't believe y'all do that. I don't have the courage to so do it. Brave. It's like, you don't have the time to do it, basically. You know, like, uh, we have a lot of time on our hands. So a lot we of time. <laughs> a lot of the need to be funny for some reason. But yeah, that's why there's 8,000 podcasts and 8 million oh, yeah. shows. And, oh, yeah. Because we're all just like, listen to us. I, I try to be very careful about what I plug in terms of shows now. Mm-hmm. It's like... Uh, if people hear too much from me, they're not going to tune me out. So I got to yeah. be very selective. Like uh, this show, ooh. <laughs> yeah, ooh, right here, ooh, buy a t-shirt, buy a t-shirt. Uh, yeah, I mean, how do, how do you like talking about like the swells in in uh, stand up, like attendance or whatever? How do you, does that factor into improv at all? Or are y'all pretty stable at all times? Well, it's really funny because uh, this this. Uh, house team run I was on a team so my stage time was a lot more limited mm-hmm. so I would have like the Wednesday or Thursday shows which are like when people are working on things and then the occasional Friday show which is like just random variety shows so Friday shows I'd say you're guaranteed usually in, again it's winter so it's like half the turnout regular weekend shows are usually pretty Saturday shows are usually really good but the Thursday Wednesday shows <clears throat> it's uh, it's it's a running gag that like 
there's more performers in the audience than <laughs> there are audience members. And yeah. of course, that's true of like open mics. Yeah. It's basically, yeah, it's basically open mics. Okay. <clears throat> it's basically the same. Yeah. I always wondered that because I don't know how y'all but, do, but. Well, I would say, I would throw this to you this idea of like with improv and with having a team, one thing that has really worked for me is when I tune out the audience. I mean, I'm. And again, using this term again, my fa- I'm on the pulse. Like I can hear when they really like something, and I know like that's okay. Hit that again, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But like, oftentimes, I'm like, what makes them laugh? What makes them look good? What What can I do to to establish my character, kind of thing? So it's a lot of just like I'm I'm working up here right now. I have no time to pay attention to anybody else. And so when there are four people in the audience and three of them just like are waiting to go up, and the, the other team is downstairs warming up, it's like. I'll hear when they chuckle, and I'm like, okay, that was funny. I'll hit that again. But yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I, guess- I would say, I would say, um, with stand up, a base thing is like seventy five, twenty five. Like seventy five percent, you're up there doing your jokes. Twenty five percent, be aware of the audience, mm-hmm. and that changes from night to night. You know, like it could sure. be fifty fifty if you're in a room like the locker room. Yeah, where- yeah, yeah you doing a bunch of jokes isn't going to work, you know? Um, so you are to a point at the mercy of the audience with stand up because it isn't a team effort. There isn't so many people and like yeah, so much yeah, to yeah. focus on. It's just like you and your stare. like improv. You don't stare at the audience, right? You mm-hmm. like stare, you face them, but you like, don't I can really, face them, but yeah. I usually don't look people in the eye. I'm trying yeah, to avoid yeah. them. So that's like, I'm a character in the world. Whereas, you know, stand-up, you're kind of like, you're face-to-face, and you're going like, Hey, do you also think this thing is funny? You right there. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ma'am. (laughs) Ma'am. Wendy is probably your fucking name. No, you know. uh, (laughs) One time I was trying out a new dumb premise it was like I've, I've seen Finding Nemo over a thousand times oh, yeah. Dan just kept his hand up <laughs> through the whole thing about how he's seen it so I'm like fuck you Dan that's why that's why you should never that. do uh, question, ask, ask questions, questions. Never, never pull the audience never pull the audience because sometimes the, the audience will be more clever than you and fuck with you uh, was that I, had, I had one that I changed I had that fish antibiotics thing and mm-hmm. I changed it to where I don't give anybody time to answer um, because it was just like people had heard it enough to where they were like, we know the answers and we're going to yell them out. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> uh, so as a rule, I try and stay away from questioning the audience or polling them. I've realized that. I've also realized, because that, 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 that plays into this idea of like being right a joke, you can't write to a specific response. Yeah, because I mean, if you're if you're like seriously trying to do this and like tour around and stuff, you're going to go from like very hip places in Richmond to like uh, the most rural, terrifying rednecks in yeah. like Petersburg or whatever. You're going to find some very varying audiences. Yeah, varying uh, outlooks. Um, which is why yeah, you can't do this. You figure out where you can play and you play. Yeah, that. you play yeah, you play a little harder in some places than you but do other whenever, places. I mean whenever I do hear about like stand ups talking about these tours, they go to all kinds and they do like some weird Midwest or whatever. Oh, I love shitty audiences. Yeah. You don't have to work hard at all. It's like uh it's real easy. They're stupid for the most part. And I feel like last night's room was cake to a veteran comedian. 
Yeah. Tom, Tom killed, Tom could have opened that show if like there were more, if there were more experience on the thing. Like he would have been like a really good weird opener. Yeah. But I I think, he could have closed um, the show, which he did. But you, I do, think, do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I felt bad for James because James had to, when you host a show like that, you can't get too weird. You have to kind of like take everybody's insults up front so that you take the brunt of it for when everybody else gets on. I can tell him trying to like put up like a wall for us. Like, yeah. They'll be like, safe behind this. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it goes, it goes up and down, but, um, that room had so many characters, so many different things happening yeah. and they were all responsive to like, some of them were like, okay, you have something funny. I'll let go with it. But like you have all these new people and it's like, that was a delicious room, and, like, it was not fully taken advantage of. But, yeah, and I mean, like, doing... Think of, like, a room with those types of people, but they all came to see the show. hmm You know, like, uh... Let's see comedy. The Southern in Charlottesville is kind of a good example of that. Oh, it's very, really like... I've heard about that. It's very, like, old people um, who are, like, easy. As long as you don't get, like, too weird, it's not that hard to make old people laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, over time, I would say in the last like three years, the, what, what is funny to older people has changed to where you can like curse and shit like that and talk about whatever you want to talk about and they'll get it. So, you know, like it's, it's not tough. Sure. I'd say it's like harder in big cities where you have like very like, uh, arrogant or very like educated people who are like, yeah, okay willing to question you. Um, and we'll and, think about the joke instead of just And we'll think about it. the joke rather than go with the audience and, like, do the whole... <laughs> How do I do things? So? He's laughing thing, you know? <laughs> like, he's laughing, I'll laugh. Um, but, like, uh, but, yeah, I think you can get that at Coalition sometimes where it's, like, it's very, like, older mm-hmm. uh, white people that, like, as long as you're making, like, a quarter of the room laugh, the rest of the room will jump on board. Mm-hmm. That that That's the Saturday 8, the riot show. That's mm-hmm. usually always well attended. A lot of different kind of people. And, of course, you know, like a lot of, mm-hmm. like I said, all the right people will come in and really enjoy the show. It's a good show. But, like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I've seen that for sure. Yeah. So stand-up's cool all over. It's fun. That's why, you know, like that tour I did was in the Midwest. Midwest is full of weirdos. It's so weird. I had never been there, and I was like, whew, all right. Um, and I loved it. I had so much fun, you know, drinking with people that were still in the new metal and stuff like that. Like, it was great. Um, yeah, so. Well, we've got 90. How does that feel? That feels great. That feels good? Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to I wanna get one more, like, thing out of you. Just a general uh, piece of advice for, for for anyone who's listening to this who wants to be better at comedy. For anybody that wants to uh, be better at comedy. Or whatever. Be ready to, uh, like in other things in life, you're going to try very hard and you have to have a large, threshold, a large threshold for eating a lot of shit. So uh, <laughs> be prepared to eat a lot of shit and then uh, it eventually gets better. How about oh, that? That's great. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There right. you go. Well, say say goodbye and you're good. Goodbye, everybody.